welcome back to an episode of Spectator Mode. I'm Neil Strubig. With me, as always, is Donald Double D the Crane. <laughs> I need to get new music for it when I do that. Just like super hype music <laughs> yeah. and drum roll in the background. I gotta get my fight song, like my intro song too, right? Like coming yeah. in. <laughs> oh, do you want to start before I give the rundown though? Uh, little RIP to uh, James Conn, who passed away today too. So, unfortunate age of 82. Yeah, it, that's a shame. And then I guess we're going to mention that. We might as well also mention Kazuki Takahashi, yes. creator of Yu-Gi-Oh! has passed away. Not today, but you know, in the past week when this was being recorded. So two big names, I think. Very unfortunate. Um, yeah, it really is just a shame. But I have to watch the original Godfather now after this. Yeah, Seriously. Get, get my sunny fix. But uh, <laughs> on brighter news and better topics... Uh, first topic, maybe not as bright. Of course, Activision Blizzard, our favorite company to talk about, but some news coming from the UK regarding the merger with Microsoft there. And then we're going to talk a little bit about some Nintendo news, some Donkey Kong possibilities, and a new announcement too with the Switch uh, o- OLED or OLED model as well. And then a little bit of Red Dead, uh, I should say Rockstar news, not Red Dead news, but some Rockstar news we got. And of course, the new Santa Monica game coming out. Ragnarok got a war's next installment. So we'll talk about that Absolutely. in the tail end. Absolutely. Um but I guess I'll kick us off on our favorite company, as you know, on this show, one of our top ten best companies in the world, Activision Blizzard, Microsoft, uh, is facing basically an anti competition probe in the UK. Uh their, you know, typical thing of acquisition, what's the competition gonna look like? Is some monopoly, how much are the controlling of the industry? We've talked about this before in the show. I think the concerns basically of having a lot of like the AAA publishers falling under only a couple companies realistically. They're all owned and then you have subsidiaries thereof. Microsoft is obviously a major player in the game space, and then Activision itself has been plagued by all of their issues in the past year year and a half i guess it actually is going on now so i think it's an interesting concern and i think for me one of the things is why aren't other countries concerned with the merger that's occurring you know what i mean like what do you think is it in the uk that they're the ones worried about it but no one else because this normally seems like something i think the uk like the eurozone in general would um engage in and fight for because i think they've been a little bit more progressive as he's also talked about in terms of gaming rights and privacy concerns and stuff like that but they're not getting involved as yet yeah i think what surprised me is again kind of europe on more of the cusp than america with uk coming in making the pro being a hey something's kind of fishing here let's look into it a bit more because i haven't heard anything on the states of the federal trade commission look into it and i mean granted we really don't hear much on that in general, I think, on a national level, unless something is paused or stopped or really kind of breaking news. Uh, of course, you know, business channels and whatnot will always have that kind of coverage. But in general, it doesn't become big news unless it is stopped. And I haven't heard anything that says it's going to be an injunction or anything to stop it here in the States. So I'm curious to see what happens here if there is a pause in the UK and they are like, hey, this is going to be competition issues. And bit of monopolizing as well if that has a trickle effect over here but i think to me the big news still is why is europe and the uk specifically still so much more ahead of the u.s in terms of looking at the video game industry and also again anti-monopoly and looking at it from the actual picture that it is of a massive merger that has massive implications and shouldn't just be like hey that's good for business because is it 
Yeah, no, I, I, and I really think that's for me something that I would love for more discussion around in general. I think that's kind of outside the scope of this particular show, where it's more just a new show and quick take, so to speak. But I definitely think, especially considering how many titles and video games and stuff are produced in the United States, we're also very far behind in some other key areas. Number one, laws around that protection for players, privacy laws. Um, monopoly laws seem to be areas of concern. And then even when you look at like the esports scene in America is very poorly supported. You know what I mean? Like I know Asia has a certain reputation in esports in general, but even European countries, a lot of them have very competitive or more competitive teams than America does for titles that were released or created in America. You know what I mean? And so it's one of those things like other than producing games, we seem to be kind of behind in all the other metrics or areas that you could look at that go along with this industry that I can only see growing from here. You know what I mean? Like we're getting better technology, better screens, better we're on the cusp of a new GPU release probably sometime later this year. And as everything keeps getting better, you know, games are going to get better. Virtual reality is becoming more of a thing. And you know, it's, it's kind of a brave new world, lots of possibilities and America seems to be snoozing. But no, I'm wasted there. And just note too for listeners too, I think three episodes ago we talked more into loot boxes and differences with yeah. Europe's uh policing of that versus America too. So just for reference, I'm gonna drop a link in here, but if you want to go back and listen to that and I'll take on that. I think mm-hmm. it was three, maybe four episodes ago. But uh moving on though, some Nintendo news. Uh speaking of companies that you know do gaming right though. There you go. <laughs> uh, maybe a bit tongue in cheek. Maybe we're jumping the gun here a bit, but they did just change. Nintendo just changed the trademark on Donkey Kong. So there's some possibilities there. And they also just announced plans for the Splatoon uh, 3 version of the OLED or the OLED, as you call it, yeah. Switch model, which is the newest model. It's, you know, larger Gorgeous. screen, a bit more processing power. It's basically getting a Switch. It's the version you should get. But I mean, what's say? Is going to be a new Donkey Kong, you think, on the Switch? And I mean, I'm are you hoping there's a new Donkey Kong. Model? Absolutely, because I, I want to say the last Donkey Kong game that was actually released as a new title, I think, came out in 2015. Tropical Freeze. Tropical Freeze. When did that drop? That was, I think, on the Wii U, if I'm not mistaken. Tropical Freeze. It'll be about 2015, yeah. Came out 2014. You're right. I just looked it up now, and it was re-released on the Switch in 2018. So... Yeah, the the newest original title to release was Mario vs. Donkey Kong Tipping Stars, I guess. Came out in 2015. Yeah, I, I know. So Donkey Kong <laughs> Tropical Freeze, I think, is the most recent release. And like I said, it got, a, it got updated from the Wii U to the Switch in 2018. So we're like really long overdue for a new DK game. You know what I mean? And so they've registered this trademark. It's very early. We don't know what's coming with this, but I'm hyped for that. Absolutely. I don't know. You a DK guy? Yeah, I, I would love to see a new DK country. Uh, I didn't play Tropical Freeze. I know that's you know highly rated in Nintendo community world. I'm probably never going to play to be honest with you. That doesn't really <laughs> attract me. It's going to probably rest people the wrong way. But seeing what they do with Mario Odyssey and how they blended in some retro mini games in there, going back to the old Nintendo uh, Super Mario and kind of Game Boy versions as well, some of the maps in those mini games. I would love to see some components of that in Donkey Kong Country, but I also just Donkey Kong Country is a blast. Like it's like I don't know why we haven't seen a new game, and either it creates an open world, kind of like how Odyssey does, and pseudo kind of mini maps, 
or, you know, sticks to a platform or traditionally as it is, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a big seller no matter what, because it's oh, yeah. just a wait time there. You know, it's seven years. I know it's, we, it's been so long since we've had a title that I think it's going to be an instant, instant hit, at least in terms of sales, whether or not the game's critically well received or not, will obviously be left for the fans to decide after the fact. And as far as the Splatoon OLED model goes, like OLED is where it's at. If you don't have an OLED screen, absolutely try to pursue getting one for yourself. And the Splatoon stuff, for me, looks gorgeous. Like it's very well executed. They've got some great colors going on, which really look nice. And then they've got like a, a matte black finish, it looks like, with uh, like a glossy finish. So it's a very kind of subtle finish to some of the stuff. Super in your face. I think it's just a really great looking console. Uh, no, it is. I, I think look forward Splatoon, to that too. With Splatoon model, because like, you know, gamers would know, but I think if you're just, you know, a parent picking up a Switch, just because the color scheme, it looks fresh and cool and it just looks a little bit different. It doesn't look like, oh, this is definitely a game. You could get it and never play the game or ever really be a fan. I think it would still fit and work, even if, it, you know, you bought it by accident. It's kind of what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. Me, I'm not going to get it for sure because I have the Super Smash Brothers version Switch. So. That art on it is just super dope. Not going to change it up. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't if I was in your shoes. Absolutely not. And speaking of changing things up, the next topic that I think we're going to go into a little bit here is some changes going on at Rockstar. Rockstar has moved away from Red Dead Redemption and GTA 4 remasters. Uh, they're moving over to creating GTA 6. Finally. I mean, GTA 5 has been out on the market for how long now? That's about the same, I think, 2014. Same as Tropical Freeze. 2013. I just did a quick look up on this. It was a 2013 drop. So that's been the last time, which is crazy to me because, right, like when they were doing the GTA releases, every like year or two, they were doing a refresh and everything else. They obviously hit the mother load with GTA 5 and they just sat on that for so long. It's insane how long that's been around and persistent. Um, But I guess the question becomes, which would you have rather seen more? A new Red Dead game, or are you looking more forward to GTA 6? I'm not excited about GTA 6. I, I, I'm, I'm sure it's a great game. sure it'll be good, but like, I'm not going to buy it, honestly. Wow, uh, really? I know everyone loved the online mode, but like San Andreas is dope. GTA 4 was good, but it was almost too much to do in GTA 4. Like, it it kind of lost my interest to play because there was just so much to do. And mind you, I didn't get involved in the online portion because everyone moved to the Xbox One. I was on the 360. So, you know, maybe I'm being a bit of curmudgeon of like, oh, I got nobody to play where the game sucks kind of thing. But I think more so, it's kind of like there's other open world games um, I'm more interested in playing. You know what I mean? Rad GTA 6. It's kind of the same old shtick. I'm going to have a pseudo criminal on kind of an anti-hero kind of story. Going to beat some people up, rob some shit, whatever. I'd much rather have seen a remastered GTA version, not like they did with the trilogy, which probably is why they pulled both of these is because of the yeah. fanfare there. But if you would have remastered San Andreas properly, I, I would be playing that right now. I'd have been like, hey, we can't record it because I'm, you know, Grove Street. <laughs> well, and first of all, I just need to issue a quick correction for myself. When I said Red Dead Redemption as a new Red Dead title, it's not. It is a remake of the original Red Dead title. So... They've moved away from remasters completely, basically. They were going to do 4, they were going to do Red Dead Redemption. Done with that. And you're right, as far as sources claim, it's because of how poorly received the remastered trilogy was. They're just not going to bother with that anymore and not do remasters, which I think is probably the right call. 
for with a lot of this stuff. It, yeah, I know we talked about this last week with uh, kind of a good business model with, uh, or maybe two weeks ago with with ports versus uh, remasters kind of thing. And I do think it is a good, you know, business model. But you know, if you just port a game that's, you know, I'd say more than ten years old, I think you're doing a disservice because it's again, people probably have the emulators and stuff too. So not putting just a remastered coat over and just updating the graphics does you disservice. I think just updating the graphics to a point to where it looks a little bit fresher. doesn't matter if everything else is the same. That goes a really long way. I, on that same note, though, I do think Remaster and Red Dead would have been the wrong choices because Red Dead 2 is not that old. Right. So it's kind of, again, like, and I, I do think, you really need to bring that out right away then? I, right. Like the I think, I think discussion, like part of the concern gonna... with some of this stuff is, like, are you bringing anything new to the franchise? Because I think, I don't know how much I might get flamed for this, GTA is a huge offender of being very derivative of itself. I don't know how much they've really innovated their own gameplay. You know what I mean? Like they definitely expanded. They've polished the systems. Driving is smoother and stuff like that. Targeting is better. Wider variety of weapons, yada, yada. But it's not like any of them is fundamentally a different game experience, I don't think, than the other ones. You know what I mean? So like if you have a GTA 5 out or a GTA 6 out, how much of an itch do you really get for like three or four? Yeah. Well, I think the last one did a good job with the storylines and different endings and stuff too. But again, it was kind of like, what else are you going to do then? You're just going to have three more new characters overlapping kind of arcs and different endings. But again, I just thought there was so much to do in that game. It was like, I got other games to play. You know what I mean? I kind of want you to beat it for me. It's just like, you can either get, there's kind of no, no way to go. You're either all in or you just kind of stay away from it at this stage. Yeah. So I think we're pretty much in agreement there. I do look forward to GTA 6's release. I don't know what to expect. I'd like to see them innovate. I'm personally concerned that what they're going to do is just take advantage of new graphics and stuff, you know, ray tracing and stuff like that. That's become more common, the better consoles. And otherwise, it's going to be largely an update with, again, like you said, like three new villain anti-hero types or whatever that we're going to follow around. And like, that's what it's going to be, you know, so... I hope they'll take the opportunity to really make this somehow fresh and different. But my expectations at the moment are that it's going to be an update of their tried and true formula, which, you know, for hardcore fans is probably just fine. Speaking of games that we are excited about, Santa Monica Studios finally dropped a release date trailer. It's uh, an announcement trailer, but we did see a trailer uh, about maybe a month, month and a half ago of the action, maybe longer than that, of uh, God of War Ragnarok. But now we finally have a date. November 9th. What's your thoughts? I mean, I'm massively stoked and bummed at the same time. For me, this is like one of those bittersweet things because I not too long ago completed my God of War playthrough on PC. So I got the first part of that and they released that. I want to say, what was it? Two years after the console release. So I'm in for a long haul wait before this will come over to PC if I don't get PS5. (laughs) And like by itself, this is almost enough to make me consider getting the console because the last one was but fucking phenomenal, man. Like, it was amazing. No, I'm with you. I mean, I'm still going to wait to get the PS5. I mean, it's going to make me consider it for sure. But doing what I did with Final Fantasy Remake, going to wait until Rebirth comes out. But God of War would be the immediate purchase after that as well. I got to double check. I mean, are they releasing the PS4, though, too? Yes, they Was are that doing part of the announcement. Yeah. Yep. They're doing PS4 and PS5 should be released at the same time on November 9th. So it should be there from the jump, which, again, we talked about is, I think, a really well done business model for Sony's part to keep their console exclusives still feeling exclusive and special. 
and then bring it to those wider audiences like two or three years down the line. And you know what I mean? Like they got massive sales on the God of War game when they brought it to PC, did very well again for them. And like I said, like at this point, I'm actually legitimately considering like buying a PlayStation 5. Like I don't want to have to wait. Um, wait, the announced trailer. Anything in the trailer, first and foremost, you know, you got excited about. It wasn't too much seen, but story-wise, too, where do you think they're going to go with it? This one. I mean, the game is called Ragnarok, so we are. So my expectation is that puts us very firmly end of days type things. They kind of, I think, touch a lot about this in the previous entry. Uh, we do see Fenrir in the trailer, which is awesome to see him there. Looks like a big fight that they're squaring up to do. And that might mean that we're going to see the World Serpent as well coming back. Um, and then I'm hoping that means we're also going to get to see more of the gods. Because we really only got to mess with, I want to say, like three of them, right? Like Baldur was the guy we were fighting. And then there were the two brothers that you fought in the mountain. Thor's uh, kids. Right. Thor's kids that you fought in the mountain. And so... I'm expecting a fight with Thor. I'm hoping Odin comes into the scene. You know I what imagine I mean? we're going to, have to see Odin in this one for sure because we're going to see the. It has to be the end of Ragnarok, as you said, end of world. It has to be the end of Norse mythology. What I'm curious about when because when you're in tears, uh, well, that dungeon. It's not wasn't his dungeon. I forget exactly what the hell it was. His treasure cove with Tyr, and you get Tyr's armor. Oh yeah, yeah. hints at you know the other gods, and you even see the god of war symbol and like uh, Kratos's symbol in, in Greece and Greek. So I'm curious if there's going to be any sort of time travel, but I guess more so, do you think Kratos is going to stay an anti-hero? Will he go back down the villain path? And, you know, will, how will that affect Loki? Do you, or you think there's going to be a trade-off between, hey, Kratos finally dies, Loki's the guy, or again, you think it's going to go back in time a bit, and they're going to end up fighting against each other well, at some And so point we didn't spoiler alert any of this, which I don't know that we need to, because to be fair... The game's been out too long. I assume if you're the, the, riding around right. and played God of War at this stage. Like, yeah. Right. Like, I mean, I think it's a fair I'm assumption, but... No spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> I'll make this very clear for people who are confused about why we're talking about Loki and stuff like that. Like, it was established that in the ending of the God of War game that his, that his son... Why is his name? Kratos' son, Atreus... Boy. is actually yeah right boy like, you don't you don't get his name for like most of the game but his son atreus is actually loki that his mother was a frost giant and everything else and and by his parentage with kratos as a god he is half frost giant half god he is loki the trickster everything else that goes along with that and so loki p- plays a pretty pivotal role in ragnarok and how that all resolves and i'm gonna be it's gonna be interesting because we kind of got those themes i think a little bit in the first game of like Loki pushing back against his upbringing, pushing back against his father, trying to find his own path, what that looks like, and coming to terms with his powers as a god. I wonder, I don't know if this is almost too dark for the game, if he's going to have to kill his own son at some point, though. But see, that's what I'm curious about, because again, Freyja being in there, and you saw Loki kind of being sympathetic, sympathetic towards Freyja, and right, yeah. the whole reason Kratos had to, uh, yeah, sorry, I'm mispronouncing, uh, the whole reason Kratos Shocker. had to kill uh, her son, and Go with that, and like again, you you saw a different version of Kratos, which was great, and him being like, I can handle this. I don't want my son to handle, and the very parental of like, put the burden on me. You got to fight somebody. You got to villainize somebody. Like, make it me, not my boy. But you know, will Loki resent him for that, or again, too, because it's the end of time, and like, idea of survival and protection. Will Kratos go on a killing spree that will sever? That relationship, though, too, 
or again, as you, as you said, too, figures out kind of who he is and more of his background. Well, Trey doesn't have more of an attachment to his world. And then because of what they're doing in survival, will he resent his father because of that, too? So well, that's why I'm really intrigued to see what they do. with. I it. think there's a legitimate concern, too, that like in the case of Atreus is like because his mother was a frost giant and like we found out the frost giants are gone. They've all been effectively yeah. killed. So he might voted like an asshole. Right. And so he might take that resentment that he has towards the Norse gods and challenge them basically. And in some ways be walking in Kratos's footsteps, challenging the gods. And like, I don't know if we can have a God of war franchise without Kratos, but I think Atreus and his sort of like feelings and betrayal and stuff like that. Like it creates an interesting story that they could go with if they want to. Cause like, you know, people have been joking, like memeing basically like you go through, go through the Greek gods, you go through the Norse gods, you go through the Egyptian gods, the Roman gods. Like, what, what does Kratos just keep killing the pantheons and moving through? I Why think not? we hey, had I a moment. <laughs> I mean, I think the franchise, though, had a really great story, especially in the beginning. And, like, the Greek arc ended well in God of War 3. They kept pushing more stuff with, like, God of War Ascension. And there were, like, some other, like, things in there that, like, I think drew it out more than it needed to. So... First off, I guess the question is, number one, do you think this is going to be a trilogy for the Norse gods? Do you think this is going to be the last title that we see the Norse gods, or do you think it's going to be another? I don't think it's going to be a trilogy necessary for the Norse gods. I think this themselves up for not to be. And also, too, didn't the creator said this is the end of the Norse thing as well? Is he on record everybody saying that? don't know that, actually. But I will say that it's definitely a trilogy between Atreus and Kratos. You're right, 100%. he did. Eric Williams, so the game's like, director, that's said what it was I'm curious to see where it goes next because it doesn't seem like they're ready to finish the father-son storyline quite yet. So that's why it's like, are they going to be at each other's throats at the end of it? Will creators have to find a way back in time a bit, or you know, go through? Like, there's a lot you can go here with it, and that's why I'm really intrigued about to see what they do with it. So. Yeah, and first of all, you're right. The director Eric Williams said in 2021, so last year, he said that this would be the end of the Norse series. Um, I think it's also interesting that we have had comments made that they're going to team up with Tyr. As you mentioned, he w- he played and a factor. Best armor in the game as far as the non-challenge armor that you could also unlock. Exactly. And so they're going to team up with Tyr, who is the Norse god of war. And then I guess this brings me to my second major question is, do you imagine they're going to continue the god of war franchise with Kratos or with Atreus? Because at this point, Atreus could have a similar arc to his father where if they team up with Tyr and Tyr dies or something happens to him while they're rebelling against the Norse gods, Atreus could rise to become the Norse god of war in the same way that Kratos replaced Ares in Greece. And then we might yeah. be able to get an Atreus saga moving forward. Would you still play that with Atreus, not Kratos? I don't know. I don't know, because I think part of the the draw of god of war and of kratos that makes him as a compelling character is that he has such a well-formed backstory and personality that's kind of revealed as you go along the horror he's dealt with the way he comes to grip with that his mourning and how that has affected him all the way through all the games you know what i mean like it makes him very compelling on the flip side atreus hasn't really had a traumatic life right like up until his mother's passing like things were pretty honky-dory for the most part, as far as we can tell, right? Like, they were living a relatively peaceful life up in the North, so, like, it hasn't been that bad. And so, in some ways, I guess there's more room to tell a story there because he is more of an unknown quantity, but at the same time, at this moment, he's not a very compelling character for me, so I'm not sure I really care too much what goes on with him. So, I think, to your point, though, too, I mean, Kratos had a very traditional Greek mythology 
betrayal of the gods, you know, got outwitted, resented the gods because of that, understood too the idea that they're jealous of mortals, a couple kind of demigod approach. Norse mythology traditionally is basically just Odin being an asshole and the gods being dicks to mortals. So yeah. to that point, I think Atreus fits that storyline too because he's going to see that. And if Odin becomes Odin, we see him basically be the giant asshole he is. Atreus is then set up then too to have those enemy be like, I fucking hate the Norse gods. Like, fuck that Norse. Like, how could you do this to like my mother and like our people? And he opened it with his history interesting of how he does all the drawings and he's truly ingrained in the culture. I think that sets it up well. But as far as playing either one, if Kratos does die and we have the trade-off, I think it's the Blades of Chaos make God of War. If you don't have those really? in there, I don't, think I'd, I don't think I could play a non-Kratos God of War without those. So even if Atreus were to pick up the I, Leviathan I, I would have a difficult time playing a non-creative even he would pick up the leviathan axe that's now become the the norse sort of poor weapon so to speak yeah would that not be good enough to satisfy your itch then without the blades of chaos not without kratos yeah very interesting with what we've seen from atreus but now again playing ragnarok then might be my opinion changes with how the story arc goes and i feel more compelled with you know atreus but like as it stands now the blades of chaos that if Kratos isn't in there, the Blades of Chaos need to be. To me, that's the that's the rage. That's like the fundamental part of it. Because I mean, that whole scene when he gets them back. I mean that that took the game from just good to just masterpiece for me. No, it was a, it was a well done scene and masterful storytelling. Because anyone who has any connection to the franchise understands what those mean to Kratos, the history behind them, and everything else. Like it really was a pivotal moment in the story. So. I almost wonder because they're done. I don't think God of War as a franchise is going to be done with this entry. We are going to be done with the Norse storyline. And so the question is kind of like, do they continue with Kratos? Do they move to Atreus? Or is there the possibility that Kratos dies at the end of this? Atreus goes to some happily ever after. And then we get a new person challenging some new gods in a new part of the world in a new time period, so to speak. And then wouldn't it be really fucking awesome if he came across the Blades of Chaos, right? Like, he's out to slay a god, hears about these mystical weapons, mythical weapons that have done it in the past, and part of his quest is to go and recapture the Blades of Chaos. Like, I could get... You're right. Like, even if you got rid of Kratos and kept the Blades of Chaos, I could see a storyline that I could get excited about as long as the Blades of Chaos were there. So... I don't know. I think that's probably all we have time for today. To our fans and those joining us here for Spectator Mode, thank you. If you've got any thoughts on God of War, where the franchise might go with Ragnarok and what might happen post-Norse Gods, happy to hear it. Thoughts on Activision, Microsoft, what's going on there, mergers, and kind of the general state of uh, gaming laws in the U.S., considering it's such a very large producer of games. And anything else that we talked about, comments are always welcome and appreciated. And this is Spectator Mode. Thanks for listening.